those who are worshipping online and those who will be listening to this message or watching it on YouTube after now, we have messages published on YouTube on our channel, LiveGate Outreach TV, all one word. Please subscribe to it if you haven't done so just yet, and you'll be getting notifications as to when we have messages uploaded. And uh, if you want to have podcast access on any of the platforms, Android or iOS, just look for us on podcast, look for LiveGate Outreach Center, and you will find our podcast messages from every Sunday right there as well. We're also on Amazon Music and the likes of Spotify and so on and so forth. So all these messages are in many, many places that you can find them and you can share with your beloved friends and family from time to time and require them to subscribe as well so that they can also be getting the notifications for updates. May the Lord bless you as you do so in Jesus' name. We want to thank God for this series that we started a couple of weeks back on empowerment for fruitfulness, and we are currently in session three, which is themed sanctification by the word. Sanctification by the word. Every series we have a banner, and it helps us to see how we are kind of progressing through the various topics, and um, this is our banner for the week or for the series, and we are on number three, word sanctification, or sanctification by the word. So this is a nine-part series, obviously, from John chapter 15, from verse 1 right to verse 17. We have picked the verses that we are focusing on. The first six sessions focus specifically on verses 1 to 6, and um, the last three uh, also to take parts of that scripture. This was one of the very important things. Thank you for the banner. This was one of the very important things that Jesus said to his disciples before he left, reminding them that he was the true vine. Now, we remember in the first session, Jesus said to his disciples, he, is, he said, I am in, many, in seven ways. And this was the seventh one he said to them. He said, I am the bread of life. He said to them, and that is in John chapter 6. In John chapter 8, he said, I am the light of the world. In John chapter uh, 10, in John chapter 10, two, two things he said. He said, I am the gate and I am the good shepherd. And in John chapter 14, he said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And uh, obviously, John 15, he said, I am the true vine. And as soon as he told them that he's the true vine, he started to tell them what we, who are the branches, mean to him and how we relate to him. That's the first thing. And then he also started to tell them how he was expecting them to abide in him and to bear fruit in him. So we have read John chapter 15, which is our anchor scripture from verse 1 to 17. We'll be reading it throughout this series, as I've said from day one. But the first few verses in John 15 says, verse 1 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Verse 2 says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, that it may bear more fruit. He takes away, that it may bear more fruit. And uh, verse 3 if you can read verse 3, please read it with me. He said, Because of the word which I have spoken to you. Say it again. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. And he started to show on 
from after describing himself as the vine, the father, the uh, vine dresser, and we being the branches, and the expectation for us to bear fruit, and also not to bear fruit, and what it means not to abide. But he now started to shift the and what he has already done for them to enable them to do those things, to abide, to bear fruit. What I want us to understand, I've always said this, that God will from man what he has not given to man. God will never place a demand throughout the entire scripture. If God says to do something, it is because he has given man the potential or he has put in man the potential to do it. Now, man may not recognize it. Man may not understand it. That's a different matter. But we have the, we must have the understanding that when he said to us to be fruitful, when he said to us to abide in him, which is basically to be holy, he is saying that he has already made us clean. He has already prepared us for that. So being clean refers to sanctification or separation unto God's holiness. It means that we have been set apart. That is why I wanted us to sing that song when we started off today. Purify my heart. Let me be as gold. He said, let me cleanse me from within. The reason that he calls us is to be holy unto him. God cannot relate and dwell with iniquity. Every man that is born into this world is born into sin. And what God does over time is that God allows people to come to him by way of the redemption through Christ so that they can become holy and become partakers of his divine nature. Consecration was a very ritualistic activity. And God used children to come into consecration. We read, for example, in Exodus chapter 29, verse 1, it says, this is what you shall do to them, to hallow them or to consecrate them for ministering to me as priests. He said, this is what you shall do. Take one young boy. This is what you shall do. And then he begins to describe how they will slaughter that ram and how they will offer those sacrifices and so on and then touch the head and the, 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 the finger nails, the toe nails and so on of the priest to consecrate them with the blood. It was a type of what he was going to do when his son Jesus Christ was going to be released to man. Since Jesus Christ, the Word, became flesh, we read that in John chapter 1. The Bible says the Word had always been with him in the beginning and nothing was made that was made without him. But the Bible says that in John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Since that time, the narrative changed. Now, I have always said this. God has never changed in principles, but he changes in precepts. And we must understand this very well even in our dispensation today, God has never changed his principles about how his plan for man to be redeemed is through Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, who is the word, was spoken to people. And everything about the command to serve God was spoken through God's word. Every time God spoke in the Old Testament, it was a manifestation of Christ. 
every time God spoke a word, it was a manifestation of Christ. But when in the New Testament, the Bible says that word now became flesh and dwelt amongst us, he changed the order. Somebody say he changed the precept. The principle remains the same. The precept now being that word now made flesh, carrying the only blood that would be viable enough for the perfect redemption of man that will no longer need bulls and rams and those things that he was speaking to them in time past to go and do as a preparation for the coming of his son. Since that his resurrection, since he was crucified, shed that blood and he died and he rose again, he gave us the ability to become sanctified through his own blood. But as soon as he left again, we become sanctified again by the word, but the word now leaned to the blood, not of bulls and rams and goats, but of his son Jesus Christ. This is why Paul, Peter, when he was uh, 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 in Acts chapter 2, he said, salvation is in the name of Jesus. And it's in Acts chapter 4, when they told them not to be preaching again in that name, he said there is in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, he said, Neither is there salvation in any other name except by the name of Jesus whereby men can be saved. No longer bulls, no longer rams, no longer sacrifices, no longer works of any kind, but faith in the name of Jesus. He said that, Concerning the man at Gate Beautiful in Acts 3, he said to them, he said, and this man, through faith in his name, through faith in the name of Jesus, has been made whole. Hallelujah. So we all as Christians must understand that now we enjoy. Now he's no longer here with us physically. He has gone to prepare a place for us. That's what he said in John chapter 14, verse 1. He said, do not be troubled. Don't let your mind be troubled. He said, believe in God. Believe also in me. For in my father's house are many mansions, and I go there to do what? To prepare a place for you. Which means when we come through the full breadth of our sanctification and we go, we go to the place where he has prepared for us to live with him permanently in eternity. But in the time we live now, we have to continue to rely on the spoken word, the rhema word, the revealed word to us, to help us in our journey of sanctification. John chapter 17, from verse 16, he was praying for us. He said, they are not of the world. Let's read it together from verse 16. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, everybody, let's read it together. Very important. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify them by your truth. He's praying to God the Father on our behalf. And then he said, your word is truth. And he said, as you sent me into the world, I have also done what? Sent them, the sanctified, the redeemed. I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, verse 19, and for their sakes, I sanctify myself. I consecrate myself that they also may be what? Sanctified by the truth. We know that he sanctified himself here on earth, not because he had sinned. The Bible says it was him who knew no sin that was made sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. 
So when he said he sanctified himself here, he's not sanctifying himself like you and I because of our sins, but he separated himself as a forerunner for us because we are to become joint heirs with him. We are to become like him. So he went through everything we went through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The cross he was nailed to was for people who sinned. But he was not nailed to the cross because he sinned. But he was nailed to the cross because of your sin and because of my sin. Hallelujah. To make a way for us into the holy of holies. To make a way for us into the place whereby man had been separated from God ever since man fell in the Garden of Eden. I want us to understand the place of our sanctification. He said, sanctify them by your truth, for your word is truth. John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except what? Through me. So he is the truth. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is our sanctification through his blood. And every time we read his word now, I have always said you need, when you read the Bible, read it in three sections. Everything from Genesis to Malachi before he came physically points to his coming. Everything that was written in the prophecies, in the Psalms, in the encounters, the stories, all the battles, all the things, everything all together, the, the emancipation from Egypt, and so on and so forth. Everything points to the coming of Christ. And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read the word of God understanding his principles, the physical principles he put down for us to live by. And then we read about his person. We understand his person because that was when he told us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That is when he told us that he is the resurrection and the life and those things I've said before. And then everything from the book of Acts right through to Revelation tells us about what he did and how we should continue to believe on what he did when he was here on earth and what he is going to do when we join him ultimately for the final time when we meet him in glory. This is how the entire Bible points to Jesus Christ. And when, when you open to a section of the Bible, ask yourself, where am I? Am I in the book of Zephaniah? Everything I'm reading here must be telling me about the coming of Christ. Whatever it's sounding like. Even songs of Solomon. Hallelujah. Everything you are reading there must be telling you about the coming of Christ. And then when you are reading Matthew, when you are reading Mark, Luke, and John, keep looking for the person of Christ, the principles of Christ. The person of Christ continues to remind us and teach us about heaven about the fact that he said he is going to prepare a place for us. But the principles he taught us about how to love one another, the principles he taught us about how not to worry, how not to be anxious, those things he said to us, those things he said about casting our cares on him, teach us about how to live our lives here on earth. So when we are talking about being sanctified by the word and understanding the word, we need a context because we are a generation that need to understand that everything about the word of God is for a purpose. The Bible says all scripture is given by the inspiration of the almighty God and it is profitable for doctrine, it's profitable for correction, it's profitable for instruction in the word of righteousness. It's also profitable for correction. 
So everyone must see the word of God in the light of what it has come to do. And when you are reading any of the Acts of the Apostles, remember the saints that were ahead of us who used what he taught them because they interfaced. Many of them interfaced with him physically. They were the bridge to help us to see that they saw him, touched him, handled him. They are the ones that convinced us that truly he came and they saw him ascend into heaven. They were the ones that told us that they saw the angel come down and say, why are you men worried? This same Jesus that you see taking up from you one day, he'll be coming back. They, we heard from their lips and their writings that they physically saw him. So they gave us that assurance. And when Paul and the likes began to write after the book of Acts, what happened is they began to now tell us about everything that he came to do and why we must be believing by faith and continue to be sanctified by faith and continue to war by faith and continue to live by faith so that ultimately, as it is stated in Revelation, when we face the ultimate judgment and we face the end of time, we will truly be with him. This is what the word of God is to us and we need to continue to understand it. I want to quickly share with us three stages of our sanctification by the word of God. Three stages of our sanctification. The first stage is what is called positional sanctification. This is our righteousness. Positional sanctification. The journey of sanctification starts here. This refers to how we become righteous. This refers to how we are no longer, how we are transformed from sinners to those who are now righteous. It is a status change. It is a positional change. Colossians 1.13 tells us that we used to be in the dominion of darkness, but he rescued us and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So we were translated from one kingdom to the other. And then we begin to live in that kingdom. And every one of us must always understand this. I always say it in this way, that it's like if you go to a, you go to a different country and uh, you are in that country, but if you are, not, you are visiting the country for some time and the fact that you are living life like everybody there and you are doing everything does not make you a citizen of that country. Anytime they ask you where you are from, you will tell them where you are from. Do you understand? Do you understand what I'm saying? It's exactly how it is in this kingdom. Every child of God is no longer of the earth, is no longer of the kingdom of darkness. You are from another kingdom, but you are living here on earth for a time. You and I are living here on earth for a time. This is why we must not be carried away by the things of this world. Because the things of this world no longer should have control over us, but rather the things that we should be setting our mind on are things from above. The things that are heavenly, the things that are glorious. And the more our focus is on those things, the more we find that the things of this world are trivial. And to, to have them and to use them no longer becomes the things that we chase, like the Gentiles and those that are yet to be saved. But sad to see that believers do not understand that their positional sanctification means that they now have access to heavenly resources that should not limit them to the things of this world. 2 Corinthians 5:17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
It is like somebody who comes to this country from a country that does not allow dual citizenship. If you come to this country from a country that allows dual citizenship and you carry the two, you may not understand it as much. But let's say you come from a country that does not allow you to have dual citizenship, which means when you take up citizenship of this country, you have to denounce the citizenship of your natural country or where you came from originally. You know, there are some countries like that. Now, when such a person is to go back to their home country or where they used to come from, where they were actually naturally born in, they will have to go back there with a visa. You understand that? Because they carry a passport that may have to require visa to go back to that country. This is how complicated it should be for us who have been moved to heavenly citizenship to become easily absorbed into the earthly systems again. We should be requiring visa to, to engage with the things of the earth. But sadly, we give up all the rights of our heavenly citizenship in many cases and succumb to the pressures of this earthly uh, realm. And God will continue to help us that the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus that we have now become will continue to be illuminated in our hearts because we have now become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. I'll read also 1 Corinthians 6.11. He says, And such were some of you, but you were washed. Somebody say, I was washed. He said, you were sanctified. Somebody say, I was sanctified. He said, but you were justified in the name of the Lord. Somebody say, I was justified. The word justified, somebody defines well. He said, it means just as if I never sinned. Just as if I was never a sinner. Justification writes off every ordinance of evil that should have befallen you and I because of our sin. Justification says, now we are delivered. You, we are acquitted. Hallelujah. He said, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Hebrews 10.10. He said, but by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. That is Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10. By that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. He doesn't need to do it again. He has done it once. This is why last week when we read Hebrews 6.4 and we were talking about those who refuse to abide and are cast into the fire and I explained that it is a state not just of backsliding but a state of a total rejection and a state whereby somebody says they no longer want to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and they refuse every extension of mercy and grace that God brings. That is what he said, that it is impossible for such a person to be restored because Jesus Christ only died once, and it is for all. He's done, he's done it once, and every one of us must treasure that one-time experience. So our position as sanctification is what makes us righteous. So when somebody comes to you and says, you sinner, or when you go to pray, if you are born again and you go to pray, you say, Lord, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. No, you are not a sinner. You are no longer a sinner. Maybe you have committed sin, but that does not make you a sinner. Hallelujah. You might have committed sin. Yes, the Bible says if we say we have no sin, we do what? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So you, you can ask for mercy for the sin you committed, but that doesn't make you a sinner. You are no longer a sinner. 
You are now the righteousness of God in Christ. The only person that is a sinner is the person who has refused or is yet to come to the place of accepting the gift of Jesus Christ as the Son of God and making them and making him their, his Lord and Savior. Such a person, yes, is still a sinner, but the day such a person says, Lord Jesus, I, I accept you as my Lord and Savior, they also cease to be sinners. And so this positional sanctification is what Jesus was saying to them. You are already clean. You are already clean. And in his, you look at those people. By that time, he has not shed his blood. He has not gone to the cross. So what was he saying to them? The word that he imputed into them at that point, even before he shed his blood, made them clean. Just like the word of God was making them clean with the instructions he gave them in the Old Testament. Every word that God speaks, every word that God speaks into man, inputs into man his sanctification. He said you are already clean. He didn't say you will be clean. He said you are already clean by reason of the words that I'm speaking to you. And so every one of us must understand that our positional sanctification is what gives us access to the ultimate sanctification that we will have. It's what gives us access to living life in the inheritance that God has prepared for us. So the second thing is that we are also given progressive sanctification. So I say progressive sanctification. This refers to holiness. This refers to holiness. The first thing is righteousness. The second thing is holiness. Now, I have explained the difference between these two many times, but I want us to know that until we as a people recognize that the progressive sanctification of holiness is a demand placed on us to continue to walk with the Holy Spirit to be the persons that God has called us to be, despite the fact that we are the righteousness of God in Christ, we may find that the journey of holiness may be a frustrating one. Paul said in Ephesians 5 from verse 25, he said, Husband, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That, verse 26 now, let's read verse 26 together, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Now, he said that he might, that he may, that, that he may be able to continue to, that is the word. He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. Why? Because that he might, verse 27, present her to himself, a glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That it should be holy. That it should be holy. Many times the word of God says to us that we should be holy. Everyone who is not born again cannot be holy. Everyone who is born again becomes righteous, the righteousness of God. But every righteous person is commanded to be holy. Hallelujah. Every righteous person is commanded to be holy. Our being, becoming righteous does not give us the liberty to continue in sin so that grace will abound. Paul said, what then shall we say? Romans chapter 6, shall we continue in sin and say that grace should abound? Then he said, God forbid. Grace brought us 
to the place whereby we became the righteousness of God. We must now deliberately be laying aside every sin that easily beset, every weight that easily slows us down. By the same grace, we must continue to denounce and reject, and reject every act that, would, that we want to keep us and make us unholy. He said that the same way Christ loved the church and gave himself for her is the same way that we must see that Christ is sanctifying us and cleansing her by the washing of the water by the word. So in this progressive sanctification, when you and I come, I explain the structure of the word of God to you. It means when you are reading the word of God, you must be reading it from a position of sanctification, of expectation of sanctification. The Bible says when we look at the world, we should be beholding him as in a mirror. Hallelujah. That's 2 Corinthians 4, verse 18. He said we all should be beholding him as in a mirror. And then we will be transformed from one image of glory to the other. So when you look at the word of God, what you should see, like I've always said, is two images. One image of where you are, what you look like. The other image of what you should look like. It is the only mirror that shows you two pictures. <laughs> Your natural mirror will show you exactly what you look like. Hallelujah. And it can't do anything more than that. That is the power it has. And I always say to you, when you look at it, it should be telling you many stories. It should be telling you time is going. Don't waste more time. Unless you want to deceive yourself. <laughs> Hallelujah. When you look at the mirror, it shows you that this, this age, this body is aging. Even if you don't feel like it. Like some of us that are 50-something feel like 30-something. If we want to deceive ourselves, we say, I still look 30. <laughs> you just deceive yourself for nothing because time is going. Time is going. Hallelujah. Jesus said, I must walk the walk of him who sent me while it is day because time is going. He said, time is coming when no man can walk. So the mirror of the word of God shows us exactly it lets you see what you are looking like in the journey of sanctification. How Christ-like you look like. That second picture that you look like is a picture of Christ. Not the Christ that is painted that we all believe he looks like by the likes of Michelangelo and co. Thank God for that. It helps us. But this is a spiritual image that makes you see the perfected one, the the ultimate one, the one without sin. And then he shows you what you look like beside him. So that when you look at the word of God that shows you what you look like and what you ought to be, in between, he shows you the word you need to embrace to continue to transform. That is why he says, you then must be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. The more you allow the word of humility to work on you, it knocks down pride. And then the humility of Christ, you continue to look more like the humility of Christ. The more you knock down hatred, it knocks down that thing that makes you just live in hatred and malice and bitterness so easily. And that now makes you to walk in love much more. The more you knock down hastiness and rush and impatience, you continue to find that the patience of Christ continues to reflect in your own life. That is what the world does. You are not knocking it down because you have power, but by the washing of the water by the word. You take that word and meditate on it. 
You don't only say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, but when he says be holy, you meditate on it. That he says I should be holy because he has given me power to be holy. Hallelujah. And then when he says they that love the Lord shall not make haste, he tells you how to be patient, how to wait upon God. He said, they that wait upon the Lord shall do what? Renew their strength. So when you read words like that, you are reading it from the position of allowing the washing of your life by the washing of the water by the word. The same way that word continues to cleanse and sanctify. Cleanse and sanctify. What Paul was saying in the context of marriage there is exactly, he said, husband, you also ought to love your wives this way. That you may cleanse, that the same way Christ loved the church, gave himself for it, that he may cleanse it by the washing of the water, by the word. Because at the end of the day, go back to verse 27. The end of the day, it is such that there will be no spot, no wrinkle, no any such thing, no blemish, no more desires, no more passionate desires for inordinate things. It will become a life that now wants to be pleasing to God. This is what progressive sanctification does. It is the longest phase of our sanctification. Our positional sanctification is very, very momentary. When that act of faith is engaged in, you become born again, sincerely at a go, no problem. But you see, the progressive sanctification that takes you from that point to the time that you will leave this earth is a long process that you must continue to subject yourself to. And so, last week we were looking at how God does some of those things by pruning. And he begins to help us to see how some things can be knocked from our lives. But he said to us that we are clean by the word. And when we allow the word of God to purge us, what we do is that it helps us to be washed consistently, transformed. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15. He said, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in what? All your conduct. So when you take a conduct of yours, when you take something you're about to do, you weigh it against the holiness of God. You weigh it against what Christ would do. You weigh it against the person and the principles of Christ. He said, because, verse 16, it is written, be holy for I am holy. Be holy. Do like me. Live like me. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, when Paul did not have words to express it, he said, look, if you can't find Christ, just imitate me. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just follow me. Just follow me. I look at Christ. I look at his conduct. I see how he did not allow the insults of men to get him to charge back at them. I see how he, was not, he could not fall for any temptation of his flesh, of his pride. He, I see how he could not fall for any kind of temptation whatsoever. And I find that this is the way I ought to be as well. So every one of us must continue to do that which he has said. Hebrews 12:14 says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Holiness helps us to see God. When we walk in holiness, we will be like Enoch, who the Bible talks about that he walked with God and he was not. He walked with God. Amos said, how can two walk together? Three, three, except they be agreed. The agreement we have is to be holy. You want an active prayer life? 
You want to be hearing God consistently like a friend is hearing his friend. You want to be hearing God like a, a, a husband can easily hear his spouse. You walk in holiness. Walk in holiness. Every walk of holiness gives you the access to the friendship of God. It gives you access to the ears of God. He said his ears are not dull of hearing. His hands are not short to save. But what has separated man? The sin of man. The sin of man. Listen, friends. If it was not important for filthiness to be torn, when Joshua, the high priest, was brought out and he was put on, on, on him, was, had, he had that filthy garment, the Lord would not have asked that they take off that filthy garment. He was already a righteous man. He said, is, is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? He said, the Lord, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. And he said, take off that filthy garment from him. This is how every day Paul said to the Colossians, we must be casting off, we must be taking off all those things that the devil puts on us as we are journeying. He tests you. He looks for the areas of life where you are weak. He throws another one on you. <laughs> he quickly throws another one on you, rapid firing. He knows that you are, you are very good in many things, but when it comes to impatience, you are, he will just throw it. <laughs> so as you are appearing, that filthy garment shows up in the place of prayer and consecration. And then it is the word that sanctifies, that pricks your heart and tells you, you need to let go of that impatience. You need to let go of that pride. You need to let go of that lust. And all those things. And as you bring them under the searchlight of the word of God, you are sanctified. You are cleansed. Because what it does is that it renews your mind. What we need to know about the renewal of our mind is that when God helps you to think differently, you will act differently. If you are thinking one way and it's always leading you, you know your thoughts will lead to your actions every time. Your thoughts lead to your actions. You, you know that? Your thoughts will lead to what you say and what you say leads to what you do and so on. But the truth is, ultimately, the way you think is the way you will be acting. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So is he. So the thing that God needs to change is the way you think. So every time when you are coming to the word of God, approach it to help you change the way you think. When you know that it is the Lord your God that gives you power to make wealth, you don't think like an arrogant man. When resources are committed into your hand, you cannot think that way. It is somebody who has not encountered such a word who say, yeah, this my business sense is very good. It's making me a lot of money. <laughs> it's that kind of person that will, be, that will be bragging like that. But a person who has been taught by the word of God, sanctified in their thoughts by the word of God, will say, Lord, I thank you for this blessing. I thank you for empowering the work of my hands. I thank you for truly honoring your word in my life. And then they are humble with whatever God puts into their hand. And not only that, they are generous with it. Hallelujah. As an example, many things that we have to allow Holiness is not just about us being able to sing songs and looking pious and people see us and say, oh, this. No, holiness is a complete transformed lifestyle that takes you out of living like ordinary men. It takes you, it, it makes until people say that you are different. Until people see that you are different in your mannerism. Until people see that the same thing that tests people's metals and makes them lose their focus does not affect you. You are still at a realm whereby you are allowing the flesh to dominate. Because when truly you start to see the holiness of God at work, it will be evident 
The same way it was evident in the life of Jesus. When they said, which kind of a person is this? Even the winds and the seas, they obey him. What wisdom is this? Nicodemus looked at him. He said, no man can do these things except God be with him. That is the kind of thing you and I ought to be hearing. How do you still remain so calm in the midst of all that is happening around us here? How do you still remain so calm? How do you still remain so confident in God? Despite the fact that I know you don't have money for this thing. I know you don't have the, the, the things that you need for this thing. How do you remain so solid and, and, and stable in this time? That is the holiness of God at work. Say, why didn't you talk back to him? Didn't you hear that this person said this about you? He said that. Don't you know that that can cost you your job? Why don't you take them on? And the Holy Spirit says to you, no, it's not something for you to take on. Of course, if it is something you should write a rebuttal or whatever as an official procedure, do that. Don't say, pastor, say I should not be saying anything. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> if you're at work and somebody accuses you of something and they ask you for a, you know, your own version, don't say I'm the holiness, I'm the righteousness of God and I'm holy. I will say nothing. Uh -uh, I did not say that. <laughs> say what you should say. But you see, to try to take the battery into your hand, to give an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, and that kind of thing. That is not showing holiness. But when you refuse to do that, they say, truly, this man is different. This woman is different. Holiness must permeate all aspects of our lives, our relationships. It must touch every fabric of everything that we stand to represent. It is not just what we do for the sake of church, or what we do for the sake of evangelism, or do for the sake of being pious. It is something we do as a lifestyle. But it is the washing of the water by the word of God that helps us to continue to be holy. And then finally, complete sanctification. This is what we live for. This is the picture and the image we must never let go. This talks of our glorification. Our ultimate state whereby we will be truly, fully transformed when Christ comes back for us. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, we read it a lot. It says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The word completely means finally, totally. No more need for any sanctification. Nothing to do again. That is the point where we should all be looking forward to. Spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. When he appears again, we all know that this body that we have stays here on earth. But our spirit, our soul remains intact and alive because they cannot die. They are immortal. But he gives unto us a new body. The Bible says, and at that point, we will, be, we will see him and we shall be like him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every Christian must have their sight on this. You see, the reason why an athlete wins a medal is not because they just get on the track and they run. It is because their sight is always on the medal. The boxer that is knocking those big, big punches on his, on his uh, competitor contest, the fellow uh, boxer, is not because he has so much energy he just wants to expend. There is a belt that they have hung by the side, whether it's featherweight, lightweight, or heavyweight. That's what his eye is looking at. When he sees it again, he will give him a bigger one. <laughs> Unless the other person can overcome him. He will keep knocking, not because of any, but that belt is what he's after. This state where we become holy completely is what we should be after. As we go through our progressive sanctification, that is why we sacrifice a lot. You give up things that are unimportant. Do you know that winning an argument is overrated? When you get into an argument and you just want to win, you want to win, you want to win. 
Especially those of us who have one or two degrees like that. Because the more you get degrees, the more they teach you how to argue. <laughs> so your husband tells you, we, why should we put this cup here? You will say introduction. I will tell you why. <laughs> According to literature. <laughs> and you give all the references of uh, why the cup should not be here. I say, so I conclude by saying that. <laughs> you will give a thesis. <laughs> And the man will just be looking like, what is this person talking about? I want this cup here. That is <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You will be arguing, arguing. Ask yourself many times, why am I even arguing? What's the point of this argument? Because there is no prize in winning an argument unnecessarily. Unless you are a lawyer in court, that's a different thing. That's your job. You've got to win. But the truth is, we need to keep looking. What is worth fighting for? David stood in front of Goliath. Eliab said, you, this proud boy. I'm just putting words around it. You can read it in 1 Samuel 17. I know it's your pride that has brought you here. Where are those few sheep that you're supposed to be looking after? The Bible says, and David answered him not a word. David was a strong man. He was not too tall, but he was a strong man. He a man that can kill a lion and kill a bear. He could take Eliab on, not just with words. Even physically, if he knock Eliab there, I'm sure he will get him down. <laughs> But Eliab was not the prize. Eliab was not the issue. If he stood there and said, brother, you say that to me, after I brought you food now, after all I've been doing for you, this is, Goliath would just have killed half of them by the time he's fighting Eliab. If David himself had not been killed. <laughs> so at times you, you, you waste time, we waste time on things. There is an ultimate prize of our sanctification that is awaiting us. There is a glorious mansion that is awaiting you. There is a, I said there is a glorious mansion that is awaiting you. Keep your eye on it. Every day you wake up from your bed, see your mansion again. It tells you that you have no need to strive with man at all. Hallelujah. You have no need to worry and put yourself under stress. The one who has gone to prepare it said, do not worry about what you will wear, what you will eat. He said, for your heavenly father, the one that is waiting for you with that mansion, knows that you need it here on earth. All you need to do is just to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all other things shall be added unto you. Philippians 1.6, he said, Ah, be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun... He who has begun, he has given you positional sanctification. He is helping you through your progressive sanctification. That good work in you, he will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. It is not by power nor by might, but it shall be by his spirit. Just keep submitting yourself to him. The word of sanctification keeps helping us, giving us access. What we must understand is that he gives us access to righteousness, to peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 4, 14, 17. He said, for the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but what? Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. The man, man will have no choice to, than to honor you. Man will have no choice than to favor you. He gave, them that, he gave us that example when he liberated the children of Israel from Egypt. These people had been slaves for 400 years. There is nothing they had other than slave clothes, other than slave materials. That was not going to help them in the journey ahead. 
and he made sure that even their oppressors gave them things. Just to make us to understand that when we are people who praise God, people who are reverent of God, people who are looking much more at our ultimate sanctification than what we can see in the challenges of today, we become partakers of those things that we are needing even for today. And God will continue to perfect all that concerns you and I. In the name of Jesus. Jeremiah said, your words were found. Jeremiah 15, 16 said, your words were found, and I ate them, and they became what? A rejoicing of my soul. When you read the word of God, you should charge yourself. You should encourage yourself. You should always make sure that it gives you the joy because we belong to the kingdom that is of righteousness. We have got righteous. We have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It is also of joy and of peace in the Holy Spirit. It gives us supernatural results. Luke 5.5, 5, when Peter said, Nevertheless, at your word, I will cast down the net. We know what happened to him when he was trying to catch fish. And Jesus said, cast your net to the right side. The word he found, the word he heard, helped him to have supernatural results. I have found that even in the things we do in the physical, the more we can find the access to the word of God for our life, for our marriage, for our parenting, for our physical work, the things that you do to earn a living, there is a word of God that is applicable for everything. When it sanctifies your heart and you walk by it, the same way Peter got supernatural results by catching physical fish, you will see the word of God delivered to you. I said the word of God will deliver to you in the name of Jesus. And then you will find in Matthew chapter 8, verse 8, the centurion said, speak the word only. Speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. Jesus said, I want to go and heal him. He said, no, master, you don't need to do that. I'm a man under authority myself. And I said to one, go. I said, I speak words, and I see things happen. I know that if you speak the word only, my servant will be healed. Hallelujah. When you need a healing, and you need something, healing of your soul, maybe something is troubling your soul or healing in your body, you need to just look for the word to sanctify your thoughts. Your thoughts will tell you that this is it. This is going to kill you. Your thoughts will tell you that you have, there is no way out of this. Your thoughts will tell you things. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to verse 5, it says the weapon of our warfare, they are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the what? Pulling down of stronghold. And I like what he said. He said, casting down imaginations and bringing every thought into subjection to the obedience of Christ. There are some thoughts that you must pull down and say, obey Christ. They tell you your history, life history, family history, tell you your situation and tell you and show you hopelessness. You take that thought and subject it to the knowledge of Christ. They said, the Bible says, for I know what I think towards you. They are of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. That is the word of God. When the thought says to you that you have no good in your future, you say, no, there is a thought of the one that is higher than you. His name is Jesus Christ. His thoughts towards me are of good and not of evil to give me a future and a hope. This is how we make warfare as we are sanctified, ultimately waiting for the coming of our Lord. We must continue to have faith. We must continue to have faith. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by 
the word of God. It was faith that got you saved. I've always said it. For by grace we are saved. Through what? Faith. Everyone is exposed to the grace of God. Only those who have faith and demonstrate faith truly get salvation. All that God is waiting for in everyone who is yet to be saved today, where is faith? Where is faith? He said, when the Son of Man comes again, shall he find faith on the earth? He's looking for faith. This one, you have faith? Come along. Grace is already there. Come along. Be born again. Now, once you are born again, it is faith that you continue to exhibit to help you through every other stage of life. We have faith for new birth. We must continue to have faith to remain holy and to experience glory. So positional sanctification is our righteousness of God, of, of our being righteous, the righteousness of God. Progressive sanctification is our work of holiness, becoming more and more like him. And then ultimate sanctification or complete and final sanctification is our being glorified, being with him for the last stage into eternity whereby we will no longer need to ever be sanctified anymore because we have been permanently sanctified and fully sanctified in the name of Jesus. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. Those of you that were around a few months ago, we did this series, or was it last year? We did this series. God was manifested in the flesh, showing us that we are also born naturally into this world. But the moment he's he showed us justification in the spirit. In his own case, his justification took place when he got baptized, submitting himself to the ordinance of baptism, and he got baptized, and the father said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. We saw he was justified. For us, our justification is being born again. The moment we get born again, we begin to enjoy the ministry of angels. We begin to enjoy a lifestyle of testimonies preached among Gentiles. We begin to enjoy favor believed on in the world. We begin, begin to enjoy those things that will ultimately help us to also be received up into glory. We are partakers of this same mystery of godliness. Let us walk in it. I finally want to speak to you the words that Paul spoke to those who were following him when he was about to leave them to go on on the final steps of his journey. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20, verse 32, it says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to do what? To build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. There is a word of his grace. There is a word of his grace. What it does is that first, it builds you up, and then secondly, it gives you an inheritance. It builds you up and it gives you an inheritance. This is why we come to church. This is why we read the Bible every day. We come to church to hear the word of God, to build us up again, to build us up again, so that we can continue to enjoy the inheritance that we have among those who are sanctified. I want every one of us to continue to abide in these words. You say, you're already clean because of the words I speak to you. Let us not downplay the power of the word of God. Don't try to be clean because of your thinking and your efforts. Only endeavor to be clean because of the word that he has spoken to you. Embrace it, believe it, walk in it, and watch God take you from one realm of glory to the other. I say one realm of glory to the other until you are totally and fully glorified in Jesus' mighty name. 
Amen. I want to pray for anyone who is here under the sound of my voice. We pray for everyone to be born again in this place because we believe that the journey of sanctification that makes us the righteousness of God starts right there according to the scriptures. So if you are here or you are online and you are not yet born again, this prayer we are all going to pray is for you. But I want you to pray it sincerely, mean it from your heart. It is just a prayer of commitment to the Lordship of Christ. Now, I will say that when you pray it, send us an email to info at lifegatecenter.org. Maybe you have prayed a prayer of dedication before, but you are struggling with your faith. You don't understand. Or maybe you just want to know why you even need to make a prayer like this. Because you have been in church all your life or whatever situation. Still send that email. I will get the email ultimately and I will make sure that I reply to you whatever the question or whatever the situation is. But if you are giving your life to Christ today, all you need to do is when you send the email, just say that this has happened to me and I will re reply by giving you some resources that would help you. This is very important for you to be able to stand. Can everybody please stand with me as we state our prayer? We are all going to say it, but it is for you. If you are here or you are online, you are not yet born again. Everybody, please pray with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today to make you my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from unrighteousness. From today, I am born again, I'm set free, I'm made whole. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. So shall it be in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we thank you today. We are grateful for the privilege to call upon your name. Thank you because we are a sanctified people indeed. As we go on in this service to partake of the communion, Lord Jesus, you commanded us on the night you were betrayed. You took the bread and you said, this is my body broken for you. Take eat of it. And you took the cup and you said, this is my blood which is poured out for you for the remission of your sins. You said, drink ye all of it. He said, do this often as in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, this is another opportunity to remember you in this way. We pray that as we partake, you will establish your divine truths in us. In the mighty name of Jesus, may the washing of the water by the word that needs to take place in our lives to cause us to move from glory to glory happen to us as we partake of this communion. In the mighty name of Jesus, May every sickness of the mind, sickness of the body, sickness of even finances, sickness of any kind, anything that does not represent your goodwill toward us, may they respond to the shed blood and to the broken body of Christ in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for giving us this victory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.